Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Well Well. This is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thanks for joining us again. Um, how's your week been, Rachel? This has been a week. I feel like everyone <laughs> has said that, actually. I had five conversations with – I'm making up a number. It was a, a lot of conversations, though, with people and clients who all felt like this week was just really long. Mm. And I don't really know why. I don't know if I've – I don't know if this week was particularly long or not, but I've definitely, I felt tired, but that's always like a Friday thing for me. So by the end of the week, I'm always sort of like clamoring for extra rest, et cetera. Today's Saturday though. Today is Saturday. Do you feel better today? I do feel better today. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't even know why. Like nothing really out of the ordinary happened, but it just, everybody has said, and I agree. It just felt really long. So hmm. I'm happy it's Saturday too. Oh, the one thing that did change, I finally got allergy medication. So uh, that probably is making a bit of a difference because I, I mean, I still have a handkerchief with me today, but, um, cause I'm an old man. Uh, your husband gave them to me, so it's fine. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> he's an old man too. <laughs> so yeah, like I didn't realize how big an impact the sort of like season change and all the allergy stuff was. Until I was like, oh, yeah, like I took started taking allergy medication again. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like to breathe normally again. I completely forgotten because I just didn't connect the two. I started taking allergy medication before I feel like I really needed to and have just continued. So it's like it's mm. nice. I haven't. But today that the day we're recording, probably, hopefully not the day people are listening to this. <laughs> it's incredibly humid outside. And mm -hmm. my run was wet despite mm -hmm. it not actually raining. So I'm a little salty about that. Yeah, it's super human. <laughs> um, so yeah, but today we wanted to talk a little bit more about um, therapy myths. Um, obviously we're two working licensed therapists. We come across a lot of myths, dis you know, some incorrect assumptions, beliefs, Etc. So we thought it would be good for us to talk about what those are and sort of do some myth busting and share some truths so that if you're out there and you're thinking about starting therapy or you've heard some of these things that you can get some really solid answers from professionals. Yeah. And our practice, Viva Wellness, if you didn't know, which I feel like you should because it's all <laughs> over the podcast logo, but in case you didn't. Right is built to really bust those myths on a daily basis. Um, so a lot of the things that we're going to talk about, we really try hard to make sure that therapy is seen very differently than I think it's been portrayed in the media and on TV shows and mm -hmm. movies and just the general perception and stigma that people have had. There was a show I just finished re-watching, I guess, because I've seen it before. Mm. But the therapist in the show was just such a caricature of a therapist. And it was terrible. And I am not somebody who just hates humor and, you know, can't laugh at things. I think life is often taken too seriously and mm. we should have fun. But the problem with it is that there's such a stigma still even though it's obviously, thankfully, more accepted than it has been. And just we don't need to continue to perpetuate that stereotype of what therapy is not. Like, we're not that far in advance that I feel like we can start, like, mocking it now. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, what was the show? It was Mad About You. Mad About You? Okay. Yeah. I, Later episodes, which, by the way, mm. totally confirmed 
that the show gets ridiculous in the last season, but there's a revival now, and I'm hoping that it's not the case for the revival. Oh, seriously? Yeah, they're doing a reboot. Original characters? Yeah. Oh. Right. That'll be good. It's exciting. That's well, good. you haven't seen this last season of Bad Boys. Right, right. It got really ridiculous. But that happens with most shows, though, right? Like, it jumps a shark, like, the last season or two, and... And like, but up until then, it's usually pretty solid. See, I don't think that, like, well, I, I, the disclaimer for people who are not Jarrell and don't know me, I tend to watch the same few shows over and over again. Right. And that is the only show in recent history that I have rewatched uh-huh. and been like, I just want this to be over at the end. I feel like every other show I've like uh, normally seen, yeah. I'm like, I'm happy. I'm good. You, you have a small sample size. I do have a small yeah, sample Yeah, because you don't size. watch enough TV. Um, but yeah, most shows go through that. Like, usually you get a few solid seasons and then like the left maybe there'll be one in the middle that's super weird and you're like what the hell just happened or it'll happen at the end where you're like okay so the writers are tired <laughs> like you just yeah. know that like people have lost it um but i haven't watched um the entirety of mad about you so i don't know that um the specific like therapist that you're talking about but i think it's often any kind of depiction uh is usually pretty messed up like yeah. Yeah. The other show that comes to mind, and I've only seen half an episode because I just could not, gonna... is the HBO show In Treatment. I've never seen oh, an episode. Oh, don't watch it. I it's, heard it it's was really crazy. bad. It yeah. just, it's so, you know what? If it was anything other than therapy or any type of field that just gets really stigmatized, and I think it's already hard for people to feel comfortable going to therapy, it's not like that problematic. You like, could you watch don't, it. it's not like, you mm-hmm. know, therapies, therapists run wild or something, right. but it's like, it's not helping people feel more comfortable with seeking mental health treatment and feeling like there's nothing wrong with them for going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And so it, I just cringe a little bit because I'm like, this is, you know, might be fine entertainment for people who like the show, but otherwise just know of the Sopranos, which by the way, I love and I'm still not over the ending. There's a prequel the ending. Oh, I coming. Can't. No, I can't. I cannot. Not a prequel? I can, no, I cannot. Okay. No, Tony, Tony Soprano is dead. So since Tony Soprano is dead, then that means that the show must also be dead. And for the record, <laughs> I am not com- I am not making a comment on the ending. I the actual Re- Tony Soprano, refusing. James Gandolfini, okay. is dead, right, right. and therefore the show must be dead. But I digress. Mm. But either way, like the psychiatrist mm. in that show, as wonderful of a show as that is, there were moments where I was like, eh, "You're not helping the world right now." Mm. But I think that speaks to the fact that people also don't understand that we really need to bust these myths yeah because of the impact it's having on other people you know in real life when they're considering going therapy right well have you seen uh, we've talked about this before personally uh, like a while ago but have you watched gypsy on netflix no we talked about this yes briefly yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, because it was a huge it was i don't know if it was huge that might be mischaracterization but it was a big show that came out a couple years ago last year year before um yeah 2017 um with Naomi Watts as a therapist who gets very involved in her patients oh. she i think they refer to them as patients lives outside I, I can't remember if that's actually true or not but a lot of people do that um but she gets involved in their lives like really intimately and horribly it's like boundary crossing like not even dual relationships we're talking like so many different kinds of relationships with people uh, that are involved in her client's life. And it's really, it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like that might be great entertainment, but you're not helping anybody. Well, and that's, and that's the, 
I could watch it because it was from episode one. I was like, oh no, we've already like you've already went too far. So <laughs> this is not a. So I was like, this is not real because, in theory, that no one's gonna go that far in terms of crossing boundaries. And I'm sure for most people who watch the show who are not therapists, they're like, okay, like that was weird. She shouldn't have called um, so-and-so's mother or whatever. But I'm like, no, you can't do that. Um, so yeah, it's a it's another one of those uh, depictions that I'm just like, okay, so if a lot of people are seeing this, they probably have the wrong idea. Well, and there's not enough conversation about therapy in real life also to offset it. Yeah. So I genuinely think there's probably people who watch that and go, well, maybe this is some what happens sometimes. So you hear things about, you know, doctors, for example, like running amok mm. in various ways. And yeah. I think people have enough experiences with doctors or dentists or whatever mm -hmm. to know, oh, like this is drama this is a mm -hmm. parody like this is not right. real life right and even if you've never been to a dentist which please go right now if that's you but <laughs> you just know people talk about it enough that you just know like your dentist should not be calling your mother for example right. but therapy is a hard line to kind of distinguish like where it falls and i think part of that is because we don't talk enough about like here's what it should be to go to therapy mm -hmm. yeah and, and i guess uh, for the record, I really like the show Gypsy. Um, however, I also think that if you were to see a real depiction of therapy, like live, it might be too boring for most people. It should be boring. Right. Like who, well, and if you think about it with any other healthcare provider, like does somebody want to watch exciting. a show without your primary care visit? I mean, well, I don't know. Mine aren't that exciting. Right. Well, I think, <laughs> and I even think about like the health related shows I've seen. Um, like there's a UK show, I think that's about like, um, what's it called? I don't know. It's like gross bodies or something. So people have like weird, super like unusual health things going on. Oh yeah. On. It's always the and stuff that's, that's like, like, Grey's Anatomy, which right. I love for the record, yeah, same. doesn't talk about, you know, routine. The only right. time they talk about like routine surgery is like an appendectomy is when it's like has drama for one of the surgeons in the surgery. Right, right, not right. like they're not just being like, yeah, this is why the majority of people come to the hospital, like, you know, routine tonsillectomy. Mm -hmm. It's like the most dramatic things ever because that's what we like to watch on TV. And again, fine, because most people have a good enough idea of what actually goes on in a hospital, even though I feel like a lot of surgeons and doctors would be like, Grey's Anatomy is the worst show because yeah, it's I've so heard unrealistic. That doctors, yeah. But I think part of why that's more fine is that there is not a stigma about going to seek medical care, mm. whereas there's a stigma that's already making it harder for people to seek out therapy. And so we need to be working against that, not feeding into it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would say that the stigma to seek medical care is still there. Um, like for instance, men do a horrible job. Oh, that's gym, fair. Right. So like, there's I'm that, married to one and then them. people, people of color, like uh, different communities, have you know a harder time for a lot of different reasons uh, accessing medical care. Um, some of that being beliefs about the system, right? Which is all fair based on history and historical trauma. So, but we'll cut that conversation off. Right, for now. that's a different podcast that's a, episode. That's a whole different episode, but. Uh, it's actually a good idea. Yeah. I well, I could show, we, I don't even know that I need your all. I have a lot of experience in the healthcare <laughs> right. system and I feel like I'm just going to rant for, you know, 40 minutes, but right. that's, no, I'm just kidding. We'll let your all play too. But, but the, but yeah, I think your point about, um, there being a lot 
a lot more data, right? So yes. you get a lot more data about healthcare in general that leads you to believe that like, oh, like these, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be this like ridiculous kind of situation. Um, or at the very least that there's nothing wrong with you for needing to go or yeah. for going in general, right? Like yeah. it might be really hard to get various people to say like, I'm going to trust my physician, but mm -hmm. I feel like very few people, once they eventually mm -hmm. go have the same, like have a friend or family member, you know, some might probably do, but most people who you tell, Oh, I went to, you know, the gynecologist today mm. would be like, Oh, you did like, what's wrong with you? Like you would feel comfortable, maybe not the gynecologist, but you feel comfortable <laughs> yes, like specific. going to like an ear, nose and throat person and mm. like talking about that at lunch, mm -hmm. uh, you know, assuming you're with people who you trust and care about or right, whatever, right, right. or like, Oh yeah, I got a physical today right. versus I definitely have worked with people who are mm. like, I don't, I have not told anybody that I'm in therapy. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's, it is very, very different. Um, so how about we get into some of the myths and some of the truths? Yeah, this okay. is exciting. All right. So we have a couple written down and I'm sure we're going to think of some as we continue to talk, but to start, um, this is one that I actually heard about fraternities in college, which is also um, interesting. Oh, Greek life. Yeah, right? for Greek sure. Life, I see where right? you're going. You see where I'm going. Um, but that therapy is like having a paid friend. And so as, so Jarrell, because Jarrell is Jarrell, he like wrote a list of these myths that we're going to refer to. And like, as I'm reading them now, they have, I'm going to call them the myth of like what the literal myth and then the like underlying mm -hmm. myth. So I'm going to say, yes, absolutely. Like your therapist is not your friend. Mm. Um, and the reason you don't want that is because your friend is very invested because they get something out of your relationship. Yes. And I'm going to pause this to say, it's not that your therapist doesn't care what happens to you. Right. I, I don't sleep well usually anyway, but there have been times at three mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning. I'm like genuinely thinking about what's going on with a client. Yep. Because I do care about the people I see. I feel like that yeah. would make me a horrible person if I didn't, like there's something wrong. Right. But it's just a different dynamic because my only interest is making sure that my client is living the best life that they can, whatever that looks like for them. I agree. Their choices don't impact me personally, right. except if they are happy and they are good and content and feeling great about themselves as much as they can. Yeah. The underlying myth, I would say, is that I feel like a lot of therapists have a tendency to get too formal, mm. and then you're not being a person. So sure. this is my thing as well as where I feel like a lot of people get uncomfortable with therapy, is that you should feel like you're talking to a person. Mm. So it shouldn't be like this brick wall of like, you know, totally objective knowledge and all of these things. Like, I'm not going to talk about me, but I'm also not going to portray myself as if I don't care about what happens to you. Mm. Like I'm a person with feelings and we've gotten to know each other. And of course I care what happens to you. Right. Just not on a personal to me, selfish level. Yeah. And I think that's the, that dip. Well, let me start by saying that I think a lot of therapists have different approaches. We tend to be much more on the um, sort of, I don't know, like a non-shady way of saying this, uh, but, Do it. but on the normal side of things, 
Um, so like being like being a person first is what we right. the kind of language we always use when we're talking about the work that we do. Um, is like sometimes I see a lot of therapists who are like way too formal, way too structured, and that's a difference in style. And some people appreciate that. Some people like that. Uh, we tend to think that it doesn't work that well. And, and so at the same time, as Rachel was saying, it's not about being uh, a friend either. It's not being a paid friend because I don't know, like, as you said, friends are invested in your life in a lot of different ways. There are certain gains that they get. There are certain losses that they would incur if you make certain choices. And that's not what happens in the therapy space. So, um, even though like I have a, I have clients who have really wise friends and they say like, Oh, I talked to so-and-so about this and this is what they said. I'm like, Oh, that sounds pretty wise. Like, so let's look at that some more. Let's look at the nuance of all that. And, and then we sort of extrapolate from there and we might ultimately end up in the same place that this person's friend like suggested. And, and so I think for sometimes people will say like, oh, well, then why would I just pay someone? I have this really good friend. But the thing is, is that your friends have all those invested interests and they like they can only hold so much um, in terms of your day to day life because they also have their own things. And so part of the training and experience that we come with as therapists is the ability to hold certain things, to set them aside, to compartmentalize when we need to and as much as we can. And we know how to manage all that because we've been through that kind of work with ourselves and in, in practicing that and dealing with clients. I think we're actually a good example mm. of a way to illustrate this is that clearly we're therapists, mm -hmm. but I work with a lot of people on life transitions. You know, not everybody is in this, in that stage of like making a huge life change, but I have clients who are. And I, my only vested interest is making sure that they're making the best decision for them, whatever that is. Mm. However, if you came to me and said, for example, like, oh, I'm thinking of moving to Germany. Like, I'm not giving you objective <laughs> advice because, like, you're not moving to Germany. Like, that's a huge problem for me. So I could take a massive step back and try to compartmentalize as much as possible. But, like, let's be serious. Like, right. that's – it's not happening. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. There's no way that I'm going to, like, with a straight face, be like, yeah, that sounds like a great decision because, like, <laughs> I don't think that sounds like a great decision. I can't separate that. Right. But with a client, it's a different type of relationship, and therefore I can say, like, hey, if you think that that's the best move for you, like, mm -hmm. you should make that move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's um, move on to the next one that I have. Um, this one is one of my personal favorites because I think it just highlights the difference of the, yeah, because it okay. just highlights the impact of the relationship and the difference in the relationship um, with, for most people and most providers. Um, so therapy, therapy is just like a visit to any other healthcare provider, like a doctor, for instance. So I'm going to go yeah. same, same take. Like, yes, it is very different because I think people are used to, there is a only a small population of the, of people that view healthcare providers as people they go to for maintenance when nothing is wrong. Mm. I think if we surveyed people on the street, a very high number of people are like, well, when do you see your doctor? Oh, you know, when I don't feel well or mm -hmm. like an annual physical or like a dentist, you go once a year or like when your mouth hurts. Right. So 
I 100% agree that like your therapist is somebody you see more regularly and is more involved in your life. Um, but I will also say that it can be used in a similar way. And like in that, if you just want to kind of, I have clients who come once a month just to like make sure they're, they're good. Mm-hmm. And we check in, we catch up. And then I see them in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that being said, I think they're definitely healthcare providers. Like I have a physician's assistant that I go to twice a year for the injections that I need to keep my knees functioning like human knees. Mm-hmm. And we definitely have a deeper relationship than somebody who I might see only when like I have a cold that I can't shake. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to look at it like your team of people who keep you healthy. Mm-hmm. and in some ways that might be for if you're somebody who only needs to see a doctor for the 15 minutes that insurance allots again, different podcast, then great. But if you're somebody who has more ongoing needs, then I think it's like your team. And I think mental health, and this is where I agree that this is a myth is definitely something that is the most beneficial to be seen on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. as preventative. Like you don't have Mm -hmm. to have something wrong with you to go Mm -hmm. to a therapist. Yeah. Well, and the, the reason why I agree with all that, the reason why, and I was just also thinking uh, when you said team, because it's April and the Avengers is coming out. So I was thinking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You, you can think of your team as like your health Avengers team. And that's probably the corniest thing I'll say today. And you're welcome. And for those of you who have no idea what that means, I'm with you. So don't feel bad. I'm not cool. Sorry. Um, so I was coming at it from this angle of the reason. So it's not just like any other healthcare provider because you have to do a lot more work. Oh, that's really true. In therapy. You know, you can't, I mean, you can, but you won't go very far. That would be terribly boring. Right. It'd be horrible. (laughs) Right. So like you, you can go to the doctor and say like, I have a cold or I think I have strep throat. They're going to give you the test. They're going to prescribe the medication, the course of treatment, and then you're going to be done. In therapy, it is such an interactive and collaborative process that you have to work really hard in as a client. So you can't just show up and say, like, I'm feeling anxious, fix me. Um, uh, you could do that, and we can always give you certain – hello. Nomi's making noise. Nomi agrees. She agrees. She's not. She's not sick. What are you doing? Okay. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Nomi. So special guest appearance. Um, so uh, you can get those like concrete strategies to work on things, but the the real work and the real transition and change comes from investing a lot of work. It's a really difficult process for that reason. So you're going to have to show up in therapy and push yourself and try hard to get the most out of it. And it takes that investment. Yes. And I would actually say that as you were talking about such a good point, and it is also a really good template for what happens when you have to advocate for your health in any situation. I feel like that is therapy is advocating for yourself and putting in mm-hmm. your contribution because you're a hundred percent right. There's times where, you know, I've had to go to urgent care for various reasons. And this problem was like very straightforward, like, Hey, I need stitches. Mm-hmm. And then they look at my arm and they're like, yeah, actually you do. Right. But there have been lots mm. of times that with like managing all of my orthopedic stuff, that it is a more collaborative process because I have to be the one to be like, no, mm-hmm. like that's not going to work or that's something I've tried. 
or I have questions about this. And it's very much, I feel like what people should be doing in terms of taking care of their health. Yeah. So I think therapy is actually a great way into that and a great way to practice sure. advocating for yourself and being an active participant in making changes in your life. Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah. And that's actually part of how we do therapy. Right. And cause there are so many times where I think about like certain strategies are very helpful for a wide range of people potentially. And so I can suggest something and I really want clients to be able to say like, actually that's not going to work for me. And this is why. Right. Um, and instead of just saying yes and then not doing it when they right. get home, because there's usually something we can do to adjust or tweak right. it um, to, I can say, well, this strategy is helpful because, but let's make it work for you. And maybe there's something about it that you can try and, I, and I'm suggesting this because I think it would be very, very helpful. All right. So let's move on to another myth. Do you have one that you wanted to drop in here? Yeah. So therapy is for people who have serious mental health issues. Yes. But it also is not just for that. So I feel like this is a pretty simple, straightforward one. Therapy is for everybody. It's for life is hard. Life is really hard sometimes. And it's whenever you need extra support. I feel mm. like, or just support in general. It's 45 minutes of either working through some really hard shit or just getting some general feedback and support and encouragement for daily life. I feel like it really runs the gamut and mm -hmm. we're only talking about when you're in therapy and you're sobbing uncontrollably, which I have clients do that. And mm -hmm. the next week we're just talking about how their boss is annoying at work. Yeah. It's just support for life, whatever life happens to be bringing at that point in time. And it doesn't require a diagnosis. Yeah. Well, and I'd also add that um, because I nitpick on language, which most of my clients will tell you, um, it's sometimes frustrating for them. My husband nitpicks on language. <laughs> I just realized I probably couldn't sit in a therapy session with you. <laughs> well, because I, and I'm just talking about the word serious, right? Because to me, when people think about serious mental health issues, they're thinking about things like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. And to me, when I think about serious mental health issues, I'm thinking about anything that's causing a really bad disruption. It doesn't have to be this like major, like you said, diagnosis. Right. It could be like a relationship rupture could be a very serious issue yeah. in your life. And it could be incredibly disruptive. Like I've definitely been in like relationships where I, could not sleep that night because something was going on or there was an argument or something was happening and think about how that impacts the next day or the next couple of days or that week. It's pretty serious. Um, so I would just say, yeah, it's not just for these, like uh, therapy is not reserved for the, this very small subset of mental health diagnoses. It's for whatever you need it to be. Yeah. That's a good way to put it therapy is and should be mm. and you know obviously we would love if anybody is seeking therapy you should definitely come work with us we're awesome but <laughs> we might not be a good fit for you for various reasons but my advice for people seeking a therapist is that to keep that in mind therapy should be what you need it to be and not everybody is going to be a good fit in terms of therapists like you have to feel comfortable with them and you have to feel like it flows and have good rapport and, you know, not just like you can't be friends with everybody or you don't like everybody or you don't work well with everybody. You're mm -hmm. not going to do well with every single therapist. Mm -hmm. 
But that should be like the really big thing you keep in mind is that if a therapist is trying to tell you what you should be doing or getting out of it or why you should be there, no, Mm -hmm. it's, it's up to you. It's whatever you need it to be. Mm -hmm. Obviously within reason. Of course, like you, therapy cannot be like, you know, telling your therapist, like, tell me all the reasons why I'm great. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, but also why? Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so, uh, this is one thing that I, I witnessed in a lot of people, I think, uh, who actually ended up coming to therapy. And I've also heard this in other conversations, but the idea that talking about things in therapy will just make things worse. What do you think about that? Denial is a river in Egypt. <laughs> So, yes, that's partially true. Mm. You will feel worse if you're talking about hard things initially, Mm -hmm. but it's long term. You know, Mm. this is actually very similar to our last episode with Julia. Hi, Julia. The idea of that your health being like a long game and like what are you going to do to feel better overall rather than what feels better in the moment. And I know she Mm -hmm. talked a lot about food mapping. And different things that you can do to make you feel better overall. And I'm thinking it's very similar because in the moment you might be really annoyed with whatever you're trying to do, whether it's eat more vegetables or eat more fruit or not combine certain foods or cut out something or add something or whatever. It's probably going to feel worse initially, Mm -hmm. but in the long run, you're going to feel better. And I think that's very true of therapy also. Like in the moment of talking about something really difficult or when you first start, you're not going to feel great. Like Mm -hmm. nothing new and nothing difficult at first feels good, Mm -hmm. but the, you're talking the long game. So the more you do it and the more you talk about things and the less that you're waiting in that river of just keeping things inside, the healthier you will be. Like, again, we could do, this is another thing that could be a whole other podcast of what happens when you don't release emotions and you don't release thoughts and feelings that are really affecting you, even if you might not be aware of it it's a problem. It's a problem for your overall health. It's a problem for your relationships on and on and on. So it does feel uncomfortable. There are moments it feels uncomfortable and there, it definitely feels uncomfortable in the beginning for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but in the long term, you will feel better. Mm-hmm. And I'll add to that, that I think one of the things that people misunderstand about therapy is that idea um, that is probably going to be difficult, especially in the earlier stages or when you actually get to the meat of the stuff, right? But the thing about therapy is, is that you don't create any new emotions in that space. The emotions already exist. So, right. So it's sometimes it's about therapy is about illumination. A lot of times it's not about creation. So you're illuminating the things. That should be like on a bumper sticker. Boom. In it to win it. Um, Melissa, who is our social media <laughs> manager, if you're watching, can you please put that on an Instagram right. graphic for us? That one. Can you use that one? Right. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's about shining a light into dark corners that are already there. So the pain that you're carrying, the hurt that you're carrying, the confusion, like therapy doesn't create those things. It gives you space to deal with them. And a lot of times, as Rachel started by saying, uh, denial is a really helpful defense mechanism for most of us. Shout out to Freud. But it does keep us from healing. And so at some point, you do have to look deeper and you do have to let those things out a bit more. And therapy is a safe space to do that. And so you don't feel like you're doing it all on your own and that you have a guide to walk you through it. Can I also add like a sub myth to this? Mm. 
I work with couples a lot. Mm-hmm. actually really like doing couples therapy, mm-hmm. and I feel like not a lot of therapists say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoy it. But one of the things that I hear either from people in couples therapy, like in the room with me or like one side of the couple coming to me for a relationship issue is that like, Oh my, if my partner goes to therapy, they're just going to tell them to break up with me. Like what? Oh, like, that's a good one. First of all, if you're concerned that a therapist is telling your partner to break up with you, mm-hmm. one, that's either a really bad therapist, maybe both, mm-hmm. or like, what are you doing? Yep. Right. Like what, what's what going on? That? Why would they right. tell you? Why would someone tell your partner that? That's true. But I will also speak like in a non-shady way to that. Mm-hmm. No one goes to therapy perfectly content with their relationship and like mm-hmm. in six weeks walks out and is like, actually, <laughs> this is the worst person you, I could you be You know with. what? I learned in six weeks that I you're horrible. That. Right. No. You know, I could go to deep analysis for four times a week and no one is convincing me to divorce my husband. It's mm-hmm. not happening. If your partner goes through therapy and ends the relationship, again, like Jarrell said, those feelings are there. And also that rarely happens. Mm-hmm. It usually makes the relationship better because mm-hmm. most people don't want to just be like, I'm giving up on my partner. But in therapy, they can get the tools in order to make the relationship better, which is why I also like plug for um, people considering couples therapy. If you're considering it, you should go. Um, it's better to do it before there is a huge unrepairable issue then afterwards. And that's what I was going to add to that is don't wait until the wheels are falling off. Right. Because it's then it might be. And I think this is part of why that myth exists that, Oh, your therapist saying like, we should break up, we should separate divorce, whatever is because a lot of times people wait a really long time and they've already decided, right. They've already decided that this needs to end. And you know, maybe they haven't come to terms with that. And sometimes that's what the therapy space is for. Um, but I see that happening a lot. Uh, and I don't even work with a lot of couples, but even in individual people I work with, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, you've already decided. And we're just trying to come to terms with your decision. And that's okay. Yep. You know, that's therapy is for that too. Yep, absolutely. With any major life decision. But that the myth of that your partner who was, you know, never thinking of ending the relationship is now is going to therapy and realizing you're actually terrible and they're better off without you. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> that never happens. Right. I've never seen that. Right. And I, I think in that discussion we also busted another myth, which is a therapist will tell me what I need to do. Yes. And so I will say that is mostly true mm-hmm. in that we tend to be a society of extremes mm-hmm. whereas people say oh therapists will never tell you what to do I mean no there's yeah. actually been times that when I feel like I am knowledgeable about how to handle a situation that I will generally guide someone through it mm-hmm. like I spoke to a couple people last week about ways to handle difficult conversations at work mm. where you would definitely take that as advice but mm-hmm. I'm not going to them but the way it's phrased is to if you choose to have this conversation with your boss here are some ways you might want to approach it Mm -hmm. not oh you definitely need to tell off your boss or like oh tell your coworker where to put it Mm -hmm. that's i think the difference is that we'll provide like helpful tools and tips in order to manage a situation but we're never telling you oh yeah you should definitely do this or like oh yeah absolutely say this or you know you need to yell at them or that person's terrible like we're not investing in that way we're going to just provide you with like here's a way to look at the situation or here's some things you might want to consider if you choose to take this route yeah absolutely um 
So maybe we do one or two more? I feel like there's a few we can combine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So on here, it's the idea that there's a bunch of people that don't need therapy. Men, <laughs> people of color, mm-hmm. LGBTQ folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, what? Only white women need therapy is what this myth is saying? <laughs> Do we leave well, anybody out? <laughs> I think that's kind of what it's saying. Right. Which is interesting because if you look at the history of psychology, it's as messed up as any other history is. So like, let's just be real. Yeah. Um, a lot of the early therapy or, you know, I don't know, allied kind of like treatments in that realm were focused, hyper-focused on women, but most specifically because they thought women were hysterical and ridiculous and needed to be calm in the way that other, the way that men thought they should be. specifically white folks which so sad that that still exists but again another podcast (laughs) (laughs) right so uh, it's interesting because uh, i guess in thinking about these myths i wasn't thinking that you know black folks queer folks women or men whoever everyone everyone not that they can't or shouldn't do therapy but they're that it isn't built for some people and that is kind of true it's very kind of true. Kind of true. In that, it, I, I, well, I'm going to backtrack. It's mm-hmm. not that therapy is not built for them. Mm-hmm. It's that it's not portrayed to be built for them. Yes. And I think that comes from mm. a lot of therapists and a lot of healthcare providers and a lot of people in general not being aware of where people are coming from when they come into the room Mm -hmm. and not being comfortable enough to ask. Mm -hmm. So the reason I might feel uncomfortable expressing my emotions, for example, Mm -hmm. is is a very different reason than Jarrell would feel uncomfortable expressing his emotions because like me, a white woman has different issues in society and different difficulties as I navigate the world as Jarrell, who is clearly not a white woman, mm-hmm. would have. And I think without being aware of that, it can be very much like boxed in in terms of this is how you go through a therapy session. And mm-hmm. then that isn't for everyone because everyone is different and have different has different world experiences that's going to color their perception of themselves and the world around them. Yeah. Well, and I think it, you know, the, the therapy model is was founded on, you know, what worked for uh upper upper class, upper middle upper middle class white folks, people who back in the day could afford it. So it was created, this mm-hmm. system was created for those people. Um but that's not to say that it's not a very good system to help um a wide range of folks. And I think that's kind of what you were saying is that actually it is well suited um, to help everyone, it, but it has to be flexible um, and malleable so that it can meet the meet needs of different people. And I think that's one thing that's very um, important to me as like a therapist of color is creating a space that is, you know, specific to, specifically comfortable for you know, clients of color. And I'm going to go on a mini, a mini rant right here because this is the problem with therapy is that a lot of providers think that they're competent and working with a lot of different populations because they have this guise of 
oh, like I'm experienced, I'm trained, I have this, this and that, and like I've done all these things, that doesn't make you competent to working with black folks. It doesn't make you competent to work, working with Latinx folks. It doesn't make you competent in working with queer folks. There's a lot of work that you need to do both professionally and personally to be ready to work with those populations because your life experience doesn't teach you a lot of things. And one of them on a very superficial level is language. I imagine that if someone dropped into some of the conversations I have with, you know, my clients of color or queer clients, they'd be like, what language are you speaking right now? Like, I don't understand some of the words that you're saying. And that's because there is a shared experience over language that we can talk about that is kind of like shorthand, right? And I think, I mean, even white folks have this too. So it's like, it's, but if you're someone who's of a quote unquote majority group and you're working with someone from uh, a different population, it's really incumbent upon you to do that work. Yes. And I'm going to give a very weird example, but I promise it's related. So I'm not going to call anybody out, but you know, if you're local in the New York city area, you know that there's a controversial restaurant that opened recently. And if you've heard anything about it, you'll know what I'm talking about as I'm talking. <laughs> it's all sighing. Right. So a controversial restaurant recently opened that were two white people creating food of a different culture. Mm-hmm. And the way that they marketed themselves wasn't great. Like nope. we'll just leave it at that. It wasn't good. Nope. People responded actually what I think in a very calm for what it for what they could have said mm. given what happened. But also really straightforward this is the problem manner which I really appreciated and I think it all comes down to this. No one was mad that two white people decided to open up a restaurant of food that is a different culture than theirs. Right. Nobody was mad that two white people decided to put their own spin on said food from mm-hmm. a culture that wasn't theirs. Mm-hmm. What people got mad about was, is that the two white people who did this did not appear to, and I won't say they didn't cause I don't know their life, but mm-hmm. did not appear to spend time educating themselves on the history. They did not spend time to educating themselves on why certain ingredients were used or why food is served at a certain time Mm -hmm. or how certain dishes came to be or what regions of this place the food is from and all of the stuff that goes into what they're recreating. Mm -hmm. And that is the problem. It's that is not to say, and I tie this back to, that's not to say that it, you know, if you are a person of color or you are a woman or you are someone who identifies as queer, Mm -hmm. that you cannot see a therapist that is the quote unquote opposite of Mm -hmm. you or Mm -hmm. not in your reference group. Mm -hmm. I see clients of all types of backgrounds, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the place, but you need somebody who is educated and willing to learn Mm -hmm. whether that's something where they ask a question of like, Oh, I don't really know about that. Can you, do you mind telling me a little bit more and Mm -hmm. respecting if you say no Mm -hmm. and educating themselves on their own time, but being open to learning and knowing that because you come from this different background that is different than theirs, they may not understand as much as somebody who does and that they're going to work around that and educate themselves as much as possible. Right. You might feel comfortable. You know, there's people all the time that say, you know, I need to work with a woman because they are a woman or I need to work with a person of color because they are a person of color. And like, that's fine too, Mm -hmm. but it's not a necessity necessarily as long as everybody is open to knowing what they don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, 
to just to cap that off, I've also worked with obviously um, and known some white providers who really do understand quite a bit and can work with a lot of different people because they have some base level of knowledge of like people with lives different from them, but also they seek out information and they seek to like, uh, to understand themselves in terms of like race or, you know, if we're talking about sexuality, like someone who's heterosexual, that all that sort of stuff, they seek to under really understand nuance and not just a one-on-one of like, oh, this is what gay means, or this is what it means to be black. But like, no, that's a really nuanced conversation mm -hmm. that these communities always have. And it's an ongoing conversation. And so you have to understand what that conversation is to some degree. Yeah. So. And, and if everyone is doing that, then therapy is for everybody, because it goes back to yep. the idea of therapy is what you need it to be. Mm -hmm. And your therapist, just like you're doing the work in session, your therapist should also be doing the work in session if there's anything that they realize they're lacking in order to fully help you in the best way mm -hmm. that they can. Well, and I'll add to that, your therapist should be doing that work out of session. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Excellent point. Right. So yes. if, you, if you feel like you're starting to teach like a racism 101 course, then you need to move on. So that's, but that's a whole another, yeah, another podcast. We're another just coming up with all these ideas right now, but yes, but moral of the story is that with the right fit therapy is absolutely for you. Um, and it's perfectly fine if you're somebody who is of a specific group and you want to ask, mm -hmm. you know, do you have experience working with people like me? Ask mm -hmm. that question. 100%. Um, it's that's more than fine to ask because I think that that's important and that's, you know, not important to everybody, but if it's important to you, mm -hmm. absolutely ask that question. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah, think? I agree. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions for us or any comments feel free to reach out to us on social media you can reach us at the practice at viva wellness nyc on instagram twitter and facebook mm -hmm. i am at rachel gersten on instagram and twitter and i'm at jarell carabello on instagram and twitter if you are loving the podcast if you are hating the podcast if you keep listening even though you're not really sure how you feel about the podcast <laughs> please leave us a rating and review that is how people find out about us. That is how we can continue to reach more people. Mm -hmm. um, we would really appreciate it. You can even let us know that you've left a rating and review, and then we will tell you how much we appreciate you and how awesome you are and give you all kinds of positive feedback, which who doesn't need that? Right. So with that, we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye.